Welcome everyone to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt and joining me as always is Pete. Welcome back, Pete. I do what I must to build a better world for the downtrodden citizens. The Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 511, the 99th all-time Matt in the show's history, if you can believe it. All the Comforts of Home is brought to you by General Rick Stoner's Lighthouse. You'll think you're in the early 1980s. Very nice, Pete, and welcome back, everyone, to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. If you haven't been listening to us in the last month, we still have been talking some geeky goodness. Most recently, Pete, I don't know if you've heard, there's this uh, modest movie by director of Fruitvale Station and Creed called uh, Black Panther that uh, is taking the world by storm, currently at $770 million worldwide. Uh, over half of that in these United States, and uh, it, it's just tearing up the box office, getting ready for its third weekend out. The box office phenomenon, and we, of course, have recorded our podcast review, which you could catch either on the Pop Culture Podcast feed by Fantastic Geek or over on the Marvel Movie uh, Podcast by Fantastic Geek. And uh, as I'm sure many of our listeners know, uh, Avengers Infinity War moved up from May 4th to the previous Friday. That's uh, April 27th, it being now a worldwide release, shore to shore to shore. Uh, But Pete, not with a little uh, little controversy, though. Yeah, and this hits close to home, Matt. Um, One of, if not our biggest supporters and a, a Patreon to boot, Mary Kirk, um, and she actually took to social media yesterday to uh, to let them know, and and I encouraged her to do that. Uh, she is turning fifty later this year, and because there is no Marvel movie in November, her birth month, they had decided to do her birthday in May for Avengers Affinity War. And uh, she's got people flying in from all over the country, Matt, even Hawaii uh, for this. Uh, Flights are booked, uh, rooms are booked. And unfortunately, while it's a wonderful thing that they've moved up the date that, you know, the world is gonna get to see this all at the same time, you and I have speculated a little bit as to what that means. Um, It unfortunately, cast kind of a pall over the proceedings of poor Mary's birthday. So we know that the Marvel people listen to our show. Uh, Mary has let them know. We're letting them know now they need to do something to fix this. They need to do right by maybe the biggest, the certainly the best fan of the Marvel Cinematic Universe in Mary Kirk at uh, Geek Kirk on Twitter, LMD Mary, Matt. Hey, let's see if there can't be some birthday magic there from from one geek to another geek. And Pete, of course, the uh, the carousel keeps on a moving. We have later this month, Pete. Nay, next week we have Jessica Jones hitting Netflix for season two, and we of course are going to be there with our Jessica Jones podcast, also mirrored on the Pop Culture Podcast feed, along with a little goodie that we'll talk more about next week. 
absolutely love what I've seen of season two so far and can't wait to share my impressions with you guys when we begin to podcast day and date, Matt, Thursday, March 8th, International Women's Day, a release so important they moved it up one day for Jessica Jones. Well, Pete, all of that done under the umbrella of the mothership of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So shall we dive on into this episode? Absolutely. When we catch you up on what went down, our teaser mat begins with music, uh, a light bulb poster here, and uh, lots of different things visible around what is very clearly a teen's room, including a Quake is My Hero poster. Pete, that's proof that it's some cool kiddo. The reveal, it's TV's The Dove Cameron. Pete, here's how cool she is. She's got the retro wired headphones. Also, maybe that's a bit of foreshadowing that she doesn't have like cool wireless beats or whatever because she's, you know, well, where she is, which we'll find out at the end of the episode. But Pete, the reveal here, mom, a military type, hey, that's that, that's Hale. She's knocking on the door. She opens it as moms do, doesn't get permission. She's there to talk to Ruby, named here, about skipping class. Oh, and she doesn't care about school, so take that, Mom. Uh, But if she doesn't get to class, she's going to lose her screen time. Kids, am I right? Hey, Mom, are you a good guy, she asks. And uh, knowing that she's off to a strategy meeting there and uh, Mom is trying to wrangle in S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, mom brings up that uh, her daughter has this obsession with Daisy Johnson. Uh, but despite mom's protestations that she does what she must for, uh, to, to make a better world for the downtrodden citizens and for her daughter, uh, it appears there might be another agenda. Pete can't let this scene move on without mentioning the deepest cut of all. Ms. Hale offers to make her daughter breakfast, but Ruby isn't, you know, like 11. I hate moms. And Pete, in case case it wasn't bad enough, mom says, in addition to wanting to build the best world for the downtrodden citizens, this will end this entire S.H.I.E.L.D. chapter. Pete, mom wants to cancel Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. the same week that it came out that Jed Whedon and Marissa Tancherowen are writing the season finale to serve as a possible series finale. Mom is ABC. Boo, Mom. Yay, Ruby. I'm sure everything's going to be totally awesome with Disney's The Dove Cameron, who's going to totally save the day, like in Descendants 1 and Descendants 2, which I know you are a big fan of. No surprises coming with Ruby in this episode. Hashtag worst mom ever. But meanwhile, Matt, back at the lighthouse, our agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. reappear, a hell of a thing, and they are greeted by Patrick Warburton's General Rick Stoner, a holdover from the 1970s. Uh, First of all, awesome name. I know that he existed previously as uh, as a comics character. Uh, all the way to back in the day, 1994. Uh, so great name there. To, you know, just great also to see Patrick Warburton as well. Um, he he is appearing via uh, General Rick Stoner's Lost Orientation footage. Uh, this the great conjunction of Lost and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I suspect. Just joking, of course. <laughs> uh, he talks Project Reclamation. 
uh, where the selective elite from the world were going to be brought together. Pete, they were sig- signaled by that newfangled electronic mail, if you can believe mm-hmm. such a thing, in the future. Yeah, and uh, there was a crisis, Colson alludes to, in the 70s that was averted, hence never the need to make use of this lighthouse. Um, Colson, however, Matt, you know, we get in the in the previously on the the reveal from uh, other yo-yo that uh, you need to let Colson die. He's got a cut. They talk about it for the first time in this episode. Um, They talk about it certainly quickly. Simmons is going to patch up Max obvious injuries. Uh, Yo-yo aware of the ailing Colson. She wonders if he should get checked out too. He demures and we, we get kind of separated into two groups. There's uh, the team, the portion of the team is going to go get supplies. The rest is going to get med checks. That leaves Colson and Daisy who wakes up from her winter Olympics ice run. See what I did there? Shield. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, and uh, Colson says he'd never leave her behind. Pete, that's also the actors talking to each other because of their their deep friendship between Clark Gregg and Chloe Bennett. He needs her. They're all they're all friendly. It's the feels, Pete, in what might be the final pod of Agents of Shield ever? Question mark. Certainly a lot riding on this, Matt. Fitz and May, they take a tour of the lighthouse here, guided, of course, by uh, Warburton's Stoner, and they find the several monoliths there within the warehouse. Um, Additionally, uh, they find Noah, another Chronicom like Enoch. He knew Enoch, and uh, he's helped to protect the world that Enoch left behind. Um, And just in case, Pete, you felt that you weren't completely understanding the particulars of where we are at, Luckily, Noah, as a chronicom, is also disposed towards exposition. He knows that this is a secure place. The monoliths are protected from the outside world. The outside world are protected by the monoliths. Also, Pete, the monoliths, monoliths for me, represent story options in the future. Who knows what they do? We'll find out when they need them to do things. Uh, Upstairs, Noah notes the ability uh, that the lighthouse has to monitor this world and a stranger world. Um, they, of course, only monitor, don't do anything unless there's an uh, extinction level event. No big deal really going on in Earth, except for that Asgardian somewhere, the politician trying to delete his FBI file. What are they trying to do? (laughs) Uh, And then there's this weirdo light in the sky, uh, which, Pete, that could be investigated by the agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Mac notes. And we're back as we uh, as we end this act. Our first act, Matt, in a rather unusually paced episode that only had four acts, <laughs> uh, begins with the mention that the lights are in uh, St. Louis, Missouri, and Daisy is not going to go on this mission since she is so convinced whatever action she might take would result in terrible things. St. Louis, Missouri, or Missouri, indeed. Pete, I don't remember which podcast it was for which show or whatever, but I know one of us got complimented for pointing out that it's Missouri or Missouri. So mm-hmm. there you go for all you Missouri, Missourians out there. Um, 
turns out that there are secret exits from the lighthouse. And uh, side note, it was like, gee whiz, which one should we take? Hey, how about the one that ends up in local quaint town, River's End, which is where they pop out. There's a sign, small town, big heart. And uh, Colson and company walk out to the studio backlot loading dock. I mean, <laughs> a ran- I'm, that's a joke, not a slam against the set. Um, but uh, they see sunlight for the first time all season. Really evocative moment. Pete, they see all the trappings of home, hot dog vendors, birds, the police. Uh, they, <laughs> they, they also see a VW van, which by the way, Pete, you know how it's actually not a VW van? Because somebody took off the VW. Ah, uh, KG. Uh, something to notice on the uh, the license plate in a little bit, but um, this VW uh, van here, uh, they're gonna take it. But of course, Colson uh, wants to return it later. No stealing. He promises. Uh, Daisy and Noah, meanwhile, back at the lighthouse, she's typing on his keyboard. Uh, he has a problem with that. Um, and then back in the van, the, uh, the shag dashboard and all the interior and, uh, they go over the various bad things they've endured, Matt, whether it be, uh, you know, alternate robot realities or, uh, you know, just about every threat they've ever faced and, uh, knowing what, I know about the 100th episode that done with a purpose. Pete, is this look back the first attempt to to take that long look back before the end tier? I don't know. Um, I will uh, I will say that it is a nice moment, regardless of whatever uh, little uh, I don't know li- little slight teasing slash worried not teasing uh note that i have here in terms of of them looking back it certainly is well earned do want to take a moment to just note actor joel david moore who plays noah he just has this wonderful i mean you believe he's the alien successor to enoch uh super familiar face Uh, i must confess i don't know where i know him from oh come Um, on grandma's boy man i hate your face uh i guess there's that too um you've never seen the grandma's boy oh pete i know him from dodgeball a dodgeball as well but come on man you gotta know him from grandma's boy he plays the the video game designer and avatar duh of course by the time avatar 2 comes out it'll be a disney joint um so yeah pete did they hire this guy because he's like already hashtag disney i don't even know anymore um but uh, he's just great. I was totally bummed by how the episode ended, and we'll get to that in due course. Well, I was bummed by how the episode ended for him, but we'll get that uh, to due course. But uh, Pete, just want to note that in the time that it has taken Daisy to set up the alerts for her friends, then we go to the van, other adventures recap, back to the lighthouse. Daisy finds out that they're Marvel's Most Wanted. What? Yeah, top of all the lists there, so that when a siren sounds and the police SUV window rolls down there, a moment of tension. And then, of course, the African-American cop asks Mac, is that John Nichols' van? You know, that thing's a clunker or what? 
how bad did he fleece you for that 1972 model there? Turns out it's a steal. <laughs> Pete Officer Kennedy sure does make it a tense scene. I, I'm not, let me put it this way. The scene works. There's just a little bit of like, hey, well, how about this, Pete? Here's what doesn't work for me. The fact that he wants to just quick have a little joke about this van that finally has been sold. Yuck, yuck, yuck. He stops in the middle of the road. The van is stopped in the middle of the road. Pete, this is not this is not orderly use of, of law enforcement here. I'm just all like, what about the cars behind them and this and that, the <laughs> other? But Pete, I think you noticed something weird with a license plate. Well, the license plate on the van begins with N-O-A, Noah. Oh, good catch there. Pete, it gets weirder because the congenial chat concludes the van goes one way, officer, uh, the officer goes the other way, then the camera slowly pushes in to the grassy area where Deke appears, oh boy, to end the act. In the past here, Matt, there's a tree, there's birds, and Deke becomes a tree hugger. Uh, yes, he's really enjoying the view of upstate New York slash Southern California. There's a kindly lady who's totally happy for him loving the tree, though that feeling may go away whenever, when whatever he took wears off. Pete, he's about to enjoy one of the great American snacks, the garbagey ice cream cone. Then he sees a bar. Wait a minute, Pete. Do you remember on the previously on that was like a half hour before this? It showed that he had like made a bar or had interest in bars. It did. Well, it he did goes indeed. in. He goes in. He buys a beer. Well, at least he orders one because I think we can see the punchline coming. Although I give credit to the episode for handling the punchline after the punchline nicely. Uh, he doesn't like how beer tastes. What's the solution? Have a Zima or like three. Which, by the way, not endorsed by your podcast pals. No, not endorsed at all. There is a disclaimer right now underneath the words that I'm speaking. Uh, he eats the cheeses burger that's new to him. He has the Zimas. He plays the, onion the darts. Rings, yes. Highly endorsed and recommended by this podcast. Yes, cheeseburgers also big fans there. Well, I'm a big fan, Pete. You're not a fan of the cheese on the burger. I know. I don't dirty my hamburgers with cheese. Uh, he plays darts. He watches TV. This is a delightful montage. We know how this is going to end. It's going to ha- end with him needing to pay. Uh, it's an obvious punchline. I like the addition of him ready to pay with his pl- pay with his arm thing. Mm-hmm. Um, obvious punchline, but it's made better by him running off into a pool table and saying, "It's okay. I'm from the future." There's your real punchline. Yes, and. The the montage there of him enjoying the food and checking out the TV and the surroundings that he's only ever experienced experienced in a virtual way then leads to a rather nostalgic montage, Matt, setting up our agents, you know, leaving the return to John Nickel uh, note on the uh, van and then heading into a cloaked Zephyr one, uh, where things are back and, and people are back where they belong. It's so great to see the Zephyr one set not seen since last episode, but then it was all dressed up as oldie time Zephyr one. 
Um, they take off. Colson totally does not need to see Simmons or any doctor. Thanks, because just not- a headache, man. It's just you know, it's it's just a a scratch. Oh. Um, turns out that the light is coming from an aerospace facility, and the light matches the light that uh, Hive had used to call the Cree to Earth. Oh man, Pete, are we are we are we going to get more redemption for for Ward here? Are we going to get uh, get Brett Dalton to return again as I don't know what uh, uh, Hive hologram or something? He is on another show currently, although that was filmed well before. I don't know, man. Hey, you never know. Pete, we cut to the Zephyr One Bay where Yo-Yo and Mac they have a heart to heart. Don't worry about the last pod lady, he all but says. But she wonders, what if we can't let the future go? Oh my goodness, Pete, they're foreshadowing the end of this episode. The goal is to change the future. They're so happy together. They put their arms around each other, showing sweet love. Pete, this is a cruel scene on rewatch. Mm-hmm. It is. And, uh, you know, if only he could find a giant rock to crush. Uh, Daisy back at the lighthouse here, crushing some cereal. She's gotten that alert on Deke, and she is rapidly concerned, knowing how he has betrayed them in the past, that uh, he will give them up. Indeed. And uh, is Noah going to jump on in? Noah, he's not. See what I did there? He's not reckless like Enoch. Um, This is not an extinction-level event. So Daisy's going to go, but she will first need Noah's clothes. Yowza. At the aerospace facility, there is a firewall, but behind it, Matt, there are no pipes, but a piper. Ooh, I like that transition there. Pete, of course it's Piper, who we remember so fondly from things I did not forget, and the show totally knows I remember her, and in no way is going to give us a Piper recap scene a little bit after the act break. So we'll just talk about that later, because I knew everything about her and didn't need it um she's also there to stop the Cree thingy Pete, take us to deke in jail i'm not trying to hide my lack of deep piper knowledge yes deke is drunk and rambling in the lockup there daisy comes in to see chief wellens and uh as she is deke shaw's state assigned social worker sonara smith you know, it's Portuguese. Uh, she is most curious if Deke, her charge, has soiled himself. Uh, indeed. And we get here a great performance by Chloe Bennett, who acts as Daisy overacting as Sonara Smith. Uh, it's, 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 it's nuanced and it's kind of, you know, like, like plastic cheese wonderfulness. Um, Daisy woos the chief. Uh, all of this, Pete. Despite the, despite Chief Wellens seeming to be on board, we see Officer Kennedy starting to, to type away at his computer, which leads to the next scene, supposedly, we think. So it's a slightly cheating writerly moment because we think the deputy is saying, Dear email to the military, the agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. are here. So we think that he has turned them into the military. Pete, what do we see from the military uh, in terms of being aware about S.H.I.E.L.D.? Well, General Hale's uh, secretary there lets her know that uh, they got a call. Uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. has been spotted, but her orders, Matt, are to keep them there. We have the act break, and then we have 
agents in aerospace space 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 smaller space um we also pete get the totally unnecessary catch-up about piper who we last saw when she jumped out of zephyr one and she's been telling the 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 cover tale for shield as instructed so thanks for the catch-up even though i totally didn't need it um she had been watching to see if anyone got in trouble so she got to this light and wow at this point pete i was like we're getting maybe more recap exposition than i actually needed also piper doesn't do science so there's that she's been trained well though nod to agent may um and the cree device here has been turned on it's up to Fitzsimmons to figure that out we uh, go back to daisy and deke who are about to leave the uh the charming we police building uh and uh that that second officer there that uh officer kennedy it is uh he needs her to fill out some paperwork oh no pete TikTok. it's actually again kind of some manufactured tension here because he's actually not trying to slow her down um but anyhow uh off to the side well as daisy and deke step off to the side there's a little bit more recap exposition let's check the boxes pete monolith time travel not die zima have you tried zima Anyway, she has one form to fill out and needs to give a phone number, a moment of tension that's not really resolved in an otherwise fun episode. (laughs) Yes, in case they should need to follow up there. Not a problem. Back with the Cree device there, uh, Fitz finds that they have uh, installed a thermal expansion trigger matt you know those and what they do he rips it out because of course it was installed sloppily but no sooner that he does that that piper draws on him and says that no one needs to get hurt what's this pete this is the old double cross particularly masked baddies come in with a lady in the lead Piper reveals that the beacon was not meant to call the Kree, but was meant to call S.H.I.E.L.D. to end the act. Act 4, Matt, begins with uh, a voice machine telling them to drop their weapons uh, from a female figure suited all in black. Uh, They eventually, the agents, put down their guns you know, just so no one does anything stupid. Piper explains to Coulson in the next room that she told her story, yeah, to General Hale. Um, her orders uh, that the uh, the woman in black is asked for to kill them. Yo-Yo, however, does her thing and steals the guns. May and Mac instantly jump in. Piper is beside herself. Their safety was guaranteed. They were to be captured and not killed. And turns out with some damage that at least the male figures we come to identify are robots, given that one of them has circuitry inside his head. So just to recap, the double-crossing Piper is surprised that she got double-crossed. That'll learn ya. Um, also they can beat up the other people in extra violence mode because they're not human. So they can smash time on broadcast TV. One question for you, Pete, after Yo-Yo takes the guns, why doesn't she then do another sweep where she like 
has the guy who was punching forward turn his fist around and punch himself in the face, which I know would have been derivative of some of those X-Men movies, but she doesn't yo-yo again and pays the price for it, and there's not really a story reason that I'm aware of why she couldn't have yo-yoed again. There is a story reason, Matt, so that she can lose her arms. Yeah, but, and again, this was a... That is the story reason. And that's all well and good. This was an effervescent episode. I was not crazy about the last pod. This has given me kind of new, I don't want to say new life because it's not like I was a down new on hope. It has given me a new hope. Um, but there's no story way around why the fact that she didn't use her, there's not, a, there's not an internal story reason. External, yes, she needs to pay her. And here's a phrase I've been using on the podcasts a lot uh, recently. Uh, metaphorically here literally it's the pound of flesh but um, again just a little bit of a weak area I think particularly like they could have built in a slowdown in the past or it could have been like oh this time jump I feel so weak uh, or slow or just something like that to address it but maybe we're over analyzing Pete the masked boss is set to kill Mac throws a blade Pete what happens oh no the arms come off. They place her in a blanket here. Uh, it's all done in, in slow motion and super serious and, and sad, of course. And it's less sad given that we know, um, you know, how things eventually turn out. And surely there's got to be a trap door to get out of this fate. Um, but uh Wrapped in a blanket here, the arms left behind, too risky to go to a hospital. Uh, Yo-Yo notes, it's all coming true. Here's what I think, Pete. I think there was more arm-cutting action in the initial cut of the episode, and it got pulled back. Um, Because you barely, not that I'm saying, oh, I want to see all this violence, or, you know, oh, I want to see Yo-Yo in pain. I'm certainly not saying that, but you barely see the bloody stubs yeah um you there's the briefest of shots where it's like no arms are over there which probably is just a story way to be like that's why they're not reconnected later on or there's you know which would be kind of the medical tv show first solution that kind of thing um i bet you i bet you there's a there's a cut out there i bet you there's a rough cut with rough vfx of uh of the arms you know <laughs> the arms being removed and ABC was just like, nope, nope, no, nope, pull that back. Um, but Pete, I digress. Deke is in the lighthouse. We're back to the lighthouse. Deke thinks those are computers, uh, right? Oh, and Noah doesn't think he should be there, which is just a great introduction for those two characters. But things turn serious. May calls in an emergency landing. Turns out the lighthouse has a really cool water entry. Uh, but Pete, this is no joke. It's not, and we get the uh, the great landing into the uh, the lake there, Lake Ontario. Again, Mark Kolpak and his team continues to find new ways to astound us. Then a surgical montage, Matt Simmons performing the surgery, Mac making, balling his hands into fists in frustration and anger. We get black suited lady, still not clear who that is with the reveal just yet down a hallway. Noah and Fitz uh, noting the the Cree uh, beacon device. 
aboard Zephyr One with Coulson and May, Mac is aboard, and then Daisy comes in and runs in to give Mac a hug before we have uh, Hale in the uh, the teen room from before. And who comes in but that black-suited character takes the mask off, and it's Ruby, <gasps> who is late. Pete, you're telling me that they have taken the beloved star of many a Disney Channel offering and repackaged her here as a bad person? I wouldn't be so quick, but... Pete, she just uh, cut off Yo-Yo's arm. She's bad to us. And... Well, I, I, again, it's all a matter of perspective. But uh, she forced their hands, Ruby did. Uh, but Mom, come on, Mom. Mom promised her Agent Johnson, and she didn't get that. Mom admonishes her work as sloppy, incomplete. She was trained better. Uh, but the beacon is their backup and her daughter is a disappointment. The beacon will do what it's supposed to do. As she leaves there, she closes the door. And of course, on the other side, it is not some kind of happy home they might share together, but some military installation that has guards outside uh, that, that lock her back up. It's, it's all a wonderfully uh presented scene uh i kind of sort of had a feeling that darth vadris was going to be revealed as ruby um but i mean even with kind of suspecting oh this is where the twist could go it's a really good twist uh the fact that school is actually evil bad gal training school um it's all great the fact that that her bedroom is you know behind some sort of secure prison-like wall it's all really really nice it's adding momentum for future episodes we cut to the lighthouse. Uh, they're not being tracked, says Fitz, uh, you know, by the uh, by the uh, the Cree light. Uh, as Noah scans it and says, "Hey, it's not cooling down," and he gets ignored. It's heating up, and he gets ignored. Run now, Pete. I just want to say something to our listeners here. If ever a Chronicom meant to uh, monitor life on Earth calmly tells you to run. Uh, you get the fits out and you start to run. Don't just stand there looking at him all slack-jawed. Thank goodness they run. Noah takes the blast. R.I.P. Noah. I'm sad, Pete. To end the act. The tag scene, Matt, an episode with only four acts. Some serious length on some of those acts there. Um, maybe once or twice this has happened in the 99 episode run to this point. But... We have a runner here uh, hooded in Philadelphia, not one of Matt and uh, or my favorite cities, but we know that there are people out there. Uh, Donna Rosado, I'm, I'm talking to you, champions of the now championship city of Philadelphia. Philly's on the rise. It is. It. Pete, a guy with a hood up jogging in Philadelphia, you what? know, Pete about to be revealed to be a boxer okay well done <laughs> very well done there our favorite boxer pete it is uh, it, it's carl crusher creel himself yep. and uh and like he's only ever been a bad guy he's only ever been a weirdo but it's so welcome to see him back yeah we've seen him in between the initial introduction on shield and now 
Uh, he had been working with Talbot last. He figured he would see Hale again. He's not interested in being a government hired gun, but she's not interested in making him one. She's putting together a team. Door opens. He gets in and the car drives off. The dossier. A detailed look at our bad guys. Let's begin, Matt, with General Hale, or as I like to call her, General Mom. <laughs> Pete, do you have a whole spinoff? General Mom meets General Dad, or whatever that show was. Major Dad. It's, it could just be, it's all terrible. That's her father is Major Dad. Uh, well, there you go. It's all connected. Um she has a great presence on screen actress Catherine Dent does and I it's like you you feel the earnestness of her mission though we don't agree with it I believe that she I believe that she believes she's doing the right thing which I really really like out of uh out of a a a villain, I mean, of sorts. I mean, she certainly is a villainous present to our agents of Shield, who we are sympathetic to. I like that. I like that we don't necessarily, we don't dislike her for doing her job. Uh, I'm not so sure, given the way that she's hunting down our beloved agents that we know are in the right. Um, whether it's an intentional thing or whether it's an oversight of information, we still bring baggage to the presentation of this character and that she's weaponizing her daughter who erstwhile either really wants to get at uh, Daisy Johnson or wants to hang out with Daisy Johnson. It's, confusingly and intentionally unclear uh but yeah i wouldn't trust old general mom hale oh i'm not saying i trust her i i I just i like the nuance with her well what about ruby matt you said she's a bad girl uh because she cuts off yo-yo's arms but she didn't mean to cut off Yo-Yo's arm. She was trying to kill Mac. So does that make her a bad <laughs> No, she seems to be escalating things. I mean, even if the mission was, you know, ultimately if the mission was kill the agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., having the weirdo glaive throwy weapons, um, that does not, that seems to be an extra torturous way to, to kill someone. And um, joking aside, I do like, that there was this announcement all the way back, you know, when they were filming this episode when she was cast and it was, you know, announcing Dove Cameron and people are saying, oh, this one from the Disney Channel and ABC at Disney, it's all one big family. And look, she's hanging out there with Clark Gregg. Welcome aboard. Everybody's so happy. Everybody's so happy. Hey, I'm sure that was all genuine and that's great. And Disney does like to hire people that they've worked with before. But then punch in the gut to realize not only is she perhaps more villainous, you know, the evidence thus far, she is more villainous than her mother add to it that she now has caused irreparable harm to, uh, to yo-yo not for nothing. You know, you slap on a couple of prosthetic arms on there and things will be okay soon enough if the story wants to go there. But in the interim, I mean, this is a serious, serious injury. One that makes us feel like we are still trapped in the timeline whose conclusion we saw already. And I mean, she's, she's just a wonderful, wonderful villainous presence. 
I am unconvinced she is a villain at this point. I, I think it's a matter of framing. It's a matter of perspective. We will know, Matt, in due time. That we will, Pete. I guess we also have to add Piper to this. Uh, here's the good news, Pete. Lots of villainy from women here. Uh, you know, no, uh, no, no stone unturned when it comes to uh, equal opportunity baddies. But uh, Piper giving the old double cross and then double crossed and then crossing back. So is that a triple cross? Whatever it is, it's not good. We like our agents to remain true and pure, but. Again, Matt, you putting somebody in the dossier you're saying is bad. She came back to the light. I'm saying she's good. Pete, if she hadn't done a bad thing, uh, how about this, Pete? Yo-Yo would have two arms. So I guess I guess you're a Yo-Yo armless apologist or something. Well, I know that uh, in the in-between time, we've seen Yo-Yo with some kind of arms. So... Uh, who knows how that'll be explained, but Matt, you know, who isn't double or triple crossers? Who's that? That would be our good people who help us out through patreon.com. Indeed, Pete, they are our reliable, uh, reliable crew behind us. They're not pipers. They're not robot guys helping out Darth Vadris. They are here. They are the wind beneath our wings. They keep things going on patreon.com slash fantastic geek, making all sorts of behind the scenes improvements possible to the podcast, including well, we'll hold that one thing for later, Pete. <laughs> Not too long. Um, everybody who contributes at patreon.com slash fantastic geek with the PH, all one word, gets exclusive podcast content. And then there are all sorts of levels to donate at. So if you're at the Mary Kirk greatest uh, fan in the Marvel Cinematic Universe level, or if you're just at the, hey, I'm going to give a dollar and listen to a bunch of uh, podcasts, uh, all are welcome. Indeed, they are, Pete, and uh, always appreciated, whether it's new people taking a look or the old people knowing that we appreciate what they do. We say thanks. Welcome to Level 7. Time to analyze and theorize. Matt, you put her before in the dossier. I'm saying she doesn't belong there. What exactly is the nature of General Hale's daughter, Ruby? General Hale's daughter is being uh, raised to be a secret agent killing machine. Um, If you want to give some sort of uh, Black Widow extenuating circumstances. Uh, she's being raised, you know, it, raised by bad people. It's nurture, not nature. There still is the good in her. Darth Vadris can come back, maybe have less eyebrows and say, oh, yo, yo, I'm sorry. Here, take these robot arms. That's an arc with, that we could follow. For the present time, though, she's done bad, bad things. Um, and... Uh, yeah, I, I, I look. I think there definitely is a path for redemption. I don't, I don't know that. You know, all joking aside, I don't know that they're going to go and get this person who has been employed by Disney with a certain uh, end of her persona highlighted, and, and they've obviously cast against type so far. Are we going to end up with a valued member of the team? Certainly, could be. Particularly not knowing 
where things could go maybe for a season six you go hey she really took off now we got the kids watching more um all of those are possibilities redemption is possible but for right now pete she's my theory is she's bad to the bone i don't know a little short-sighted i think although i think you talk about the possibilities Let, let's talk about some of the particularly things referenced that the lighthouse is monitoring that Noah before his untimely demise was keeping an eye on. Uh, I think we, we understand the topical reference of FBI files being deleted. So we'll just leave that where that is. But this as guardians spotted in the city, Matt, that could be Thor Ragnarok. Or? That could be set up for Infinity War. Like we're we're at this, the timeline is already muddy by some of these obvious things. You know, Spider Man eight years later and things of that sort. We also we now let's see. Hold on, little little mental math out here out loud. Can we assume Pete that they have returned to the present ish day? They've returned <laughs> to the twenty first century near the time that they left. Right. Can we assume that? Yeah, oh, I, I think that's explicit. Then that being the case, that means that we, if we want to stick with a stricter interpretation of the timeline, that means that we are back to May 2017, which is around when they left. If we are still getting that one for one, you know, like the finale was in May of 2017, therefore it is 2017 in their timeline. So it could be some time has gone by and they're seeing the events of Thor Ragnarok. Maybe it's look, it's either that or infinity war, right? Tell me spoiler Pete. Tell me. I, I think the possibility tips far more towards infinity war, given that we don't know lag, you know, approximate time them coming back, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But interesting that this was pointed out nonetheless. What were some of the other goodies that we got there? The potential alien contact, of course, was the one that they dealt with. And right. then the other one oh, about the, FBI, the, yeah. the FBI files. So, But I, I think that one sandwiched in between was, you know, obviously a nod to, uh, you know, everything else that goes on in their universe, but a curious choice nonetheless. I think, Pete, and without us even delving into some of the metaphor of uh, of last season i think they were just taking a little a little sly pot shot at at you know who and we can we can leave it at that pete give us one more theory before we check that old mailbag well we now have two yo-yos and no arms matt which sets up a little bit of a problem given that we have seen her in between carrying things and doing things with arms Hence the shocking nature of the reveal in the previous episode that she had lost her arms, that she was uh, dying and being brought back again and again and again at the hands of the Kree for information as as their oracle, as as their seer. Uh, So what is up with uh, her arms Is, is Simmons fitting her as we speak? for some uh, prosthesis, or is this all going to be a, a, a bad dream? Uh, I think that 
how do I put this? The minute the story wants to not have her be a, a double amputee, um, then they outfit her for those arms. And it could be as simple as, thank goodness, Colson, we were able to modify the underlying tech for your hand and had spare Hoosie Watts and blah, blah, blah. Like that's, that's as simple as that. And, and it's taken care of in five seconds of dialogue. And now she has arms. And if you need a moment for her to not have arms, oh man, Pete, the dampening field. Pew, pew. Well, at least Colson has one hand left. She's now a lot less able-bodied. Like it, the, there's story flexibility there. If they want to have, you know, explore the the grief that Mac did not act sooner, and they explore the grief that she's going to experience as somebody who now has lost limbs, they could stretch that out for a couple episodes if they want. It it truly is. It, it's as fluid as it gets. Transmissions. Let's check the wire. Pete, we ran a poll, as we often do now, right as the episode was ending up. How did you like tonight's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Uh, four stars. Welcome back. That got 87%. Three stars. Pete, I had a little trouble coming up with a quip for that, so I just put Noah. That got no votes. Six uh, percent gave two stars, two arms down. Uh, then seven percent run run now run now i don't know if they were distract i don't know if that seven percent were distracted by like the cool episode reference and not realizing that they were giving it one star i will admit i was so enchanted by this episode though it is not perfect it was just so effervescent i kind of wasn't on my my pole game here so that's something to work on for next time uh but we did have some replies uh at Ace of Spades RSF said, this ain't no framework. It's the shield factor baby. Uh, yeah, I would agree. This, uh, this episode cooked in a way that we haven't in some time. Serendipity824 said, also, I love Noah. I think we all love Noah. What's not to love, man? And again, uh, that role in, uh, in grandma's boy, just cementing this guy in, uh, in, in my memory, apart from roles in Avatar and, uh, you know, a lot of places in between. Uh, we also got a tweet from at uh, DJ underscore black, B-L-A-K 357, uh, who, Pete, as you might recall, was in the room with us at the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. panel at uh, Madison Square Garden, though we did not know it at the time. And, uh, uh, you know, we've exchanged some words back and forth there, particularly some of the, uh, you know, some of the real life, uh, real life violence and whatnot that has uh, you know that has shown up in our area as oftentimes has been happening up in too many areas lately. But I digress. The hope to be able to to shake hands with him at the next Agents of Shield panel at New York Comic Con, fingers crossed, sharing that fandom there. But he says, "Is there anything above? Welcome back, lol." The cast is walking around like. Then he included a gif of somebody walking on fire because this show has has found itself again, Pete, and he's saying the show's on fire in a good way. There you go. Pete, what do you have on the Facebook? Well, John Stewart, Matt, after episode 510, had left the following message. The classic conundrum you brought up about Daisy wanting to stay behind to avoid the deaths of billions is the trolley problem. The most basic version is that there is a trolley heading down the tracks toward five restrained people. You are next to a switch, but if you use it, 
the train will divert to kill one restrained person. Two of the main schools of ethical thought diverge about whether it is moral to pull the switch. Utilitarians view the outcome as being worse if you do not pull it as more people die. Deontologists view pulling the switch as murder since you would be taking an action that results in someone's death. One of my favorite Facebook groups, Trolley Problem Memes, likes to explore the wackier variations on this classic ethics problem. Well, that's that's where they're at now. I mean, they're they're presumably locked in to the unchangeable future at this point if if uh, Yo-Yo's arms are evidence. So how do you how do you reconcile reconcile that the fact that they want to change the future but maybe their attempt to change the future will result in the future that they wanted um i mean pete is whatever happened happened um that's that that's kind of part of the overarching mystery that this that this energetic episode leaves us with pete we of course always love hearing from people how can people be in touch with you you can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 9,820 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I am personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, you can be in touch with the podcast in a whole variety of ways. Visit FantasticGeek.com, email FantasticGeek at gmail.com. Check us out on Twitter and Instagram where we are FantasticGeek as well. Pete, I'll say this. Our, our Instagram has been a little on the quiet side lately. The next week will be a good time to be checking out some stuff. Absolutely. You can also head over to the Facebook there, Matt, facebook.com slash fantastic geek with the PH. More followers than ever. Are you going to join that club? Well, for those listening to us on the Pop Culture Podcast feed, we will be back on Thursday talking Jessica Jones. And uh, then, of course, Friday, maybe some more Jessica Jones, definitely some more Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. If you're just catching us on the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. feed, we'll be back with more S.H.I.E.L.D. next week. With that, Pete, I will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. Why put your phone down when you can be a brainless, drooling moron? <laughs>